You know what time it is. It's 1046. This episode is brought to you by Open Exchange, Dan Nathan. They manage virtual meetings that matter for yeah, the top this, companies in the world, Dan. This meeting matters right now, yeah, 1046, yeah, Thursdays, AM. And wait, listen, we're going to break down three research calls in 14 minutes. Um, Dan, what do you want to start with, brother? Because I got to tell you something. There's a lot out there. A lot going on, a lot going on. All right, so here's one. You know, David Rosenberg, he is the chief economist and strategist over there at Rosenberg Research and Associates. He formerly of Merrill Lynch. He is a mm -hmm. legend. He's a guy that you and I both really, um, you know, we admire. Um, one of the reasons we admire him is he is not afraid to go against the grain, if you will, of the Wall Street consensus. And, you know, it's funny. He wrote a little bit of a love letter. It wasn't a research note. I would say it's a love letter. and It was called On Perseverance. And it went out to his subscribers over the last week. And, you know, he was kind of citing the current sentiment here. He was talking about his past history, kind of calling asset bubbles. He was reflecting on the fact that He's often been early, but he's also been very right. And I think this note uh, on perseverance kind of hit a couple of those things. He says we are clearly a couple bubbles here, residential real estate, equities. He says the consensus on inflation, yields, and stocks is overwhelmingly one-sided. He quotes, and you probably worked with this guy back in the day, and this guy was also a legend, Bob Farrell from Merrill Lynch. Remember him, the 70s? Wait, was, the he the guy that was, in, was he the guy that was in MASH that took over for Trapper John? Or was that, no, that was Mike no. Farrell. I'm sorry, Dan, please. Yeah, but continue. you're definitely aging yourself. But, you know, yeah. rule number nine of Bob Farrell's investing rules was when all the experts in forecast agree something else is going to happen. And what David Rosenberg, Rosie, as we call him, is saying that give it a few months here. Something else is going to happen. He's having a similar bearish gut check that he had back in 2000 and 2007. What is your take on yeah, that love letter? Listen, and you know, people will say David Rosenberg is always bearish. First of all, that's patently false. I mean, yep. it's hard to be that voice right now because we'll have people come on CNBC's Fast Money, by the way, every night, five o'clock Eastern time. Yep. And there's not been one person that's really been able to articulate the bear case. And when there is no bear case, that by definition is the bear case. And, and listen, you, you just look at some of the excesses out there right now. And just in terms of valuation where we are, just in terms of if you look at market cap of the S&P 500 over GDP, a lot of people say it doesn't matter now. It matters now. That's the Warren Buffett indicator. I like Rosie's work. I love this work. I need a love letter about perseverance. It's isn't that didn't didn't President Trump get a love letter from um, the guy in North Korea as well. I don't know. I'm just saying. But we do have a couple charts, Dan. So let's go to that S&P 500 chart. Great job by our crack staff at Open Exchange to pull this up. What this illustrates to me, Dan, you know, the 200-day moving average in the S&P 500 is basically 3620. Here we are at 4100 and change. You know, a couple standard deviations away. We really haven't tested that 200-day moving average in any meaningful way for six or seven months. The farther we get away from it, the more bearish I get. What's your take, Dan Nathan? Yeah, I agree. I mean, listen, that resistance line that it broke out and found support at in early March, it's just gone parabolic there. So, you know, at some point as we get deeper into earnings season, I think a lot of the good news um, is going to be kind of discounted here. So I suspect that we do see a pullback below 4,000. Maybe that support down there at 3820 is the way. I do think it's interesting, Guy. We have a chart of the Russell 2000 here. Bring it up. Here. Yeah, let's, 
do that. that. And, and that. if you look, you know, the really there was major outperformance versus the S&P and the NASDAQ since the vaccine announcements in early November. And we seem to have consolidated here um, over the last couple of months as the S&P has been making new highs seemingly daily. So I do think that the small caps are probably telling you something, maybe pointing a little bit towards that something else that's going to happen that Rosie's talking about. But I did just mention earnings season guy, and we're going to have a lot of data points, a lot of micro data points. Let's look at some single stock research, a couple things that caught Can our we do eye. that? Can, and yeah. listen, you wanted to start, by the way, that that um, that IWM chart that we had up, that Russell yeah. chart, that, that looks hauntingly like a potential head and shoulders. But that's another topic for another day. Now, you yeah. called me up and said, why don't we talk about Citrix? I'm like, what? <laughs> you want to talk about Citrix? But yeah. okay, let's talk about Citrix, Dan. Upgraded at Jefferies. Give me some of your pointers. I'm going to throw in some stuff as well. Yeah, Brentville, really good um, uh, analyst over there. He upgrades from a buy to, uh, you know, from a hold to a buy, $180 price target. He's basically saying that this work from home or this hybrid work environment here is here to stay. It's interesting when you think about some of the pandemic winners. We obviously know Zoom did very well. Companies like Slack did really well. You know, Citrix has had a lot of these kind of hybrid work um, tools for a very, very long time here, but it's been really underappreciated. Brent's saying that the revenue and EPS um, consensus are too low for this company and obviously it trades pretty cheap to some of its enterprise um peers oracle the vmware and the adobe and some it's just poor in this thing there's seven buys now six holds and one sell so this is interesting it's a little bit of a catch-up trade possibly if you look at that chart the stock has not done anything it obviously got hit in the throes of the pandemic sell-off and then it ripped i think there was maybe some takeover chatter in the summer but it's really just gone sideways for the, ba the balance of last year so, so citrix trade at about 19 times next yeah. year's numbers. You have about 15% EPS growth-ish, which I think makes it a pretty reasonably valued stock. I yeah. actually like this call. I will tell you, I do think the average price target is about 163, but here's the thing. The range is 140 to 206. I'll give you the 140. The 140 <laughs> was basically Bank of America. They reinstated the name with an underperform on April 13th, so you know, a week and a half or so ago. On March 3rd, just the other side of that coin, UBS assumed coverage in Citrix with a $206 price target. I, listen, I think in this environment, this is a reasonably uh, valued stock. I can see this name moving higher. I believe they report, Dan, you can check me on April 29th before the bell, and an environment where you know valuation doesn't really seem to matter, this is one where you can actually make a, a pretty cogent argument on valuation. And given the businesses they're in, I sort of like this call. Uh, I like the UBS call when they assume coverage with a 206 price target. I don't know if we're getting there, but I do think that $180 number is in the crosshairs, as they say. And this chart illustrates that, Dan Nathan. Yeah, you mentioned though valuation, and I think it's a pretty interesting one, especially for underappreciated software numbers that are going to do double-digit earnings growth. And so I just pull up a real quick chart of the Oracle. I know you've been kind of um, pushing oh, one yeah. for months, and if you look at it, the breakout above that long-term twenty-year near resistance, it's just gone parabolic. So when I look at an upgrade like the Citrix, I'm seeing an analyst who's looking for some opportunities because it's really hard to keep pushing these things that are moving at twenty-year highs that have just literally. Gone up 100 percent 
in the last year and just keep going parabolic. Let's hit another one, guy. This Hold on, before, but, but I, listen, don't, just don't gloss over this. Yeah. If you're a Fast Money fan, Dan, which I know you are. Yes, I am. You know, at the end of last year, um, Melissa asked us, what are those things when you put letters together? You did it with the MAGA complex and then yeah. subsequently. It's called an acronym, guy. It's, yeah, it's, I know what it's called, Dan. Yeah. I came up with the HOPE trade. Yeah. And if you recall, the O and Hope was Oracle, and you actually laughed at me, which you're, you're, that's your want to do. <laughs> Meanwhile, Oracle's been a rocket ship, and on valuation, Oracle's still, in my opinion, cheap, made an all-time high around 80 bucks, I want to say, a few days ago. It's pulled back a little bit. I think Oracle is a play here as well. Now, you'll say, wait a second, that's old tech. You're an old dude. Yes, you are you're an right. old dude. But maybe Oracle's maybe turned the corner. And, oh, by the way, while Oracle's been going higher – Salesforce.com, everybody's love affair with CRM, has been going sideways to slightly lower. Just something to watch, Dan, as the well, spring turns into summer. Understood. And I just say that's a great point, Guy. And I think that Salesforce bought Slack. It was uh, you know, obviously a very high valuation. I think that's weighing on the story a little bit. I just say on your Oracle, I'd wait for a pullback to the high 60s, back to that resistance level, pretty clear technical level um, where you might want to reload on the long side. Let's look at another. Actually, this is like a double call today. I love this one because AutoNation, you know, the um, this is one of the biggest auto dealers in the, yeah, in the country, actually. I, I think if not the biggest. And, you know, it doesn't get a lot of love here, man. But this stock got upgraded at Benchmark today um, and they raised their price target to 120 from 65. But here's the kicker of this. I love this. Morgan Stanley, who has the stock <laughs> underweight, they raised their price target also reiterate they're underweight they go from 60 bucks to 65 bucks um so you know that's what makes the market i guess huh guy nami i i love that i get such a kick out of this first of all yeah. just so we all understand the range for analysts in this name is somewhere between 65 and, and 130 so yeah. you just so you understand how wide i mean you could drive a truck through it no pun intended number one number two there was actually a negative wall street journal heard on the street article yesterday just to point it out and they reported yesterday. Let's talk about what they reported. The EPS of 279 was much better than a consensus of a buck 85. Revenue was up 27% year over year. And oh, by the way, you mentioned Morgan Stanley, Jeffries, Guggenheim, and a firm called Truist all raised their price targets as well. So this is a name we've talked about. Mike Jackson, Brian Kelly talks about the importance yeah. of Mike Jackson. One of the names that I've loved in this space is Carvana, which you have in the deck, as they say here, CBNA. That has been a rocket ship. I think you can stay with these names. And look, I'm not going to pretend I've been some General Motors raging bull for years, but I've said pretty consistently over the last six months that if you want to play the space, you give a 12 multiple to the $6 that GM's going to earn, and you're talking about a $72 stock. That's how I would play it in my world, Dan. Nathan. Yeah, I'll just make this point. You just mentioned Carvana. I, I like AutoNation here. You look at that chart. It's a five-year chart. You look at that uptrend from 20 in the lows in 2020. Um, you know, this thing has some room to go. I think if you see it back towards 90, that's where you reload. On the Carvana front, though, you know, I just don't get it. I mean, you know, 50% of AutoNation's expected $23 billion in sales this year is online. Revalue that company that's trading at 10 times anywhere near the five times sales that Carvana is trading at. So we have a seven and a half billion billion dollar market cap for AutoNation and a $43 billion for Carvana that has a third of the sales. Now they're growing much faster. I get it. So if we're playing, would you rather, I'd much rather AutoNation on any pullback here, but I think it was an interesting double call today. 
Yeah, don't yell. Please don't yell at me, Dan. And didn't listen, I know the fans probably don't particularly care. Although if you do have comments, thoughts, concerns, input, you could put it in the screen there. You see on the screen there's an opportunity cool. to put it. Yeah, it is pretty cool. But didn't you just buy a car? Like, didn't you just buy some Mustang or something? Just a to, Ford to... Mustang Mach-E, and it's an electric vehicle, and it's pretty cool. Although I did have a bad experience with it the other night. I ran out of juice and needed to be towed. It was just a disaster. I'll, that's, you, you, I'll... You, chose, you chose not to mention that, though. You see, I you chose not to mention that. That. That, was, that. that was me having a little bit of range anxiety and then range rage um, after that. But let's do two for the road, guys. Yeah, we only have because a Because we got to get out of here. Let's do two for the road. Quickly, please. What do you want to start with? Yeah, so we talked last week about that Coinbase direct listing. Bitcoin clearly had a little bit of a sentiment top into that. It's down about 15% from the all-time highs. But interestingly enough, and we have a chart here, look at Ethereum, Ether. This thing is making new all-time highs as we speak. So as you might say, Guy, and I'm looking at you, we got one dog going one way. We got the other guy going the other way. What do you want from me here? It seems like the sentiment has shifted. And, you know, Bitcoin's up about 90% of the year. Ethereum, with a $300 billion market cap versus Bitcoin at $1 trillion, is up 250%. So it seems like some pretty heavy bets are being made on one versus the other. Listen, I, you know my view. First of all, Goodfellas, one of the greatest movies of all time. Correct. I will watch anything. I will watch anything with De Niro and Joe Pesci in it. It's just absolutely brilliant, number one. So I like what you did there with the dogs. You know my view on why Ethereum is playing catch-up here because I think for a lot of people, they say, well, I can't afford a $55,000 Bitcoin. Yeah. Oh, but maybe I can afford this Ethereum thing. And I know that's mindless. It's mindless. That's the world. We, yeah, that's it's, currently it's the DeFi, world. It's DeFi, it's NFTs, it's a whole host of other things. What's your one for the road? Because we got to get out of here. Quickly, we got to get out of here. So I, I love Morgan Stanley. Great, venerable firm. Katie Huberty is the axe in Apple. I don't really know what's going on here, but I think she raised her price target. And if I'm wrong, please at me. She raised it from 156 to 157. Let me just reiterate that from 156 <laughs> to 157. My point to her is why bother? But maybe that's that's how exact things are happening over there at Morgan Stanley. Damn, we got to get out of here, Dan, because we're, we're coming up at the top of the hour. And I know my man, uh, Mr. Lair, wants to get in here. But listen, if you've enjoyed this, sign up there's a place to do it what do you got to say in the last five seconds before we get out dan nathan yeah just yeah come back to at 10 46 next thursday we're doing it each week so thank you to our partners at open exchange it's always a lot of fun doing this with you guy Adami. later